0: Let's so turn verse 8 of Genesis 21. The child grew and was weaned. Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. So she said to Abraham, Cast out this slave woman with her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, Be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says do you, do as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named, and I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning, took bread and a skin of water, and gave it to Hagar, put it on her shoulder along with the child, and sent her away. She departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Well, um, if you ever want to know if Any type of polygamy or even bigamy is a good or bad idea, read the Bible. Um, For years, I've heard people say, well, polygamy is in the Bible, therefore it must be good. And what what we're doing there is we're confusing description with prescription. There's a lot of things in the Bible we wouldn't prescribe. Suicide, murder, adultery, hatred, uh, sexual assault, Uh, I mean... Just because it's in there doesn't mean it's a license to do those things. You've heard the the old joke, right? right? Judas went out and hung himself. Jesus said, go and do likewise, right? It's taking one passage out of context and applying it out of context. Um, We do the same thing when it comes to polygamy. Just because the heroes of the faith uh, err grievously in these areas doesn't mean we should mimic everything the heroes of the faith do. Uh, And this is certainly one of them. So what you have going on in the background, starting in chapter 16, where Hagar is introduced and Ishmael is born, is you have a bit of a Jerry Springer home arrangement, right? I mean, you can see, you know, if this were Ricky Lake or some Mari Murray, Mari, what well, I don't know. It, it, you're not watching it, neither am I. Um, this this looks like one of the episodes that they would have, right? Um, you know, uh, Abraham would be uh, the dude up there. And the caption would be, my wife wants me to kick out my girlfriend and our child, right? And, and everyone would hate Abraham, and everyone would support Hagar, and then Sarah would come in, you know, do all this sort of stuff. The two would fight, right? And nothing would be resolved, but we'd all be entertained, right? All right? This is what this looks like. And, it, it, it is, it, and these are people who worship God, Right? God called Abraham out of out of that sort of paganism, and look what a mess he's made of his home, right? So, so let's let's get into this. the, the, the main conflict is, is eight to fourteen, and then we see the expulsion starting in verse fifteen, which which we'll, we'll get to next time. Uh, we mentioned this last week, so I don't want to spend forever on it. Verse eight: the child grew and was weaned. In the ancient Near Eastern world, weaning would take uh, about three years, give or take, so longer than it might be uh, now. And a big part of that is because of the high uh, infant mortality rate. And uh, we get this actually from the Bible and the Apocrypha. Again, we looked at this last year. Notice there at the end of the weaning, a three-year-old bull, right? And and you you bring bring sacrifice. uh, I didn't put Maccabees up there. But Maccabees, uh, two Maccabees, which is in the Apocrypha, so not in your Bible's because it doesn't belong in the Bible. It it specifically says um, nursed for three years. Um, So so, so what you then have is after he is weaned, there is a celebration, right? The, the, the more dangerous parts of infancy are largely behind. Uh, in some third world countries, you don't name a child until they're at least three, maybe five years old. Because once you name a child, you, you, you've, you've, you've really grown attached to that child, obviously, right? So wh- whenever we moved out of the Parsonage, we had Luther our Beagle, who passed earlier this year. But this black lab showed up. It was in the adolescent stage, so it was wild and crazy, puppy-like, but larger than a puppy. You know, So you couldn't just let, hey, kids, go deal with that dog. No, no, it's, it's, it's too strong for, for my little toddler. So, uh, so I, I, I put on, on Facebook, if you lost a little black lab, come get it quick. The kids are thinking of names, right? And once we named that dog, it was ours, and we named it Ollie. It moved to the trailer with us and uh, eventually just ran away. You know, we had it chained up and stuff but eventually just, just ran away. We had left for Thanksgiving, came back, and it was gone, right? And um, uh, I know in a city, you know, we would shut the entire city down until the dog was found. But in the country, we just moved on with our lives. So I know that makes me a monster. But anyways, um, we, we still had a Lutheran. So same thing here. You, it, it's a big celebration. Uh, he's, he, he's been weaned. Obviously, this is a, an exciting part. We, again, we mentioned this last week, verse 8, that the child grew. The word there is great. In English, grew is what you want to translate it as. But it's the child became great, grew. Uh, so he grew a great party. So the party is is uh, equal to that of the child, right? In Abraham's eyes, he celebrated. Here is the promised child. Everyone is excited. Uh, so verse nine, we immediately hit the, the conflict, right? Now it's it's ironic experience that we've all had that moments of great celebration are often moments where there is deep conflict. A birthday party, a graduation party. Prom, right? I mean, think about it. Prom is supposed to be the greatest day of your life until you're you're married, right, ladies? And what happens to every single one of you? I'm convinced of this. Someone bought the same dress as you. Right? I mean, it is just... And your date was not sensitive to the egregious foul that this was, right? Now, obviously, I'm being goofy and over the top. But it's amazing how easy these great moments of triumph and celebration, how often it seems like People get petty, uh, people get divisive, people get angry and bitter and envious. It's like we struggle as humans to celebrate and enjoy other people's happiness, right? Because we feel like they're so happy, why aren't I happy as they are right now happy, right? There's something about the human experience that does this. And so you have this, this, this day that is all about Isaac, and everyone's just amazed. Isaac... Is, is not only born to, to a woman who's beyond the, the, the natural uh, age of giving birth, but she weaned him, and now he's no longer being weaned, and he is he is growing. This is a great time to celebrate. And what happens is they end up fighting, and there is conflict. Um, and uh, so sometimes there are some of us where being happy makes us the most miserable people in the world. And it almost looks like that here, doesn't it? So notice there that it says, verse 9, Sarah saw. Now, that word is found all over the Bible, hundreds of times. Yet in these moments, I think it's helpful to us to go back to really the real genesis, if I can use the term, uh, to this idea. She sees something, and that something is either a source of temptation or, or a source of of. of bitterness or anger, right? And so remember that Eve saw that the fruit was good. We'll talk about this more in the uh, coming Sunday nights when we look at David uh, and explore more about David and temptation. So this is the same word used in Genesis 3 with Eve. And so what's going to come out of that is division and brokenness. And notice there that uh, she sees the son of Hagar the Egyptian whom she had born to Abraham. Now, notice what's missing there. Ishmael's name. His name isn't the son of Hagar. By the way, also notice he's the son of Hagar, not the son of Abraham. Right? You can already see where this conflict, not that you couldn't figure it out, right? The second she got pregnant with Isaac, this was predictable. I mean, this is very predictable. There's going to be conflict. Abram has a girlfriend who has a a son He has a wife who has a son And surprise, surprise The two ladies aren't going to get along They're living in the same trailer down by the river in Carroll County Right? I mean, they are Right there I'm sorry, it's a van They they, they, uh, ran out of trailers over there So um, so obviously there's going to be conflict here And he is referred to as the son of Hagar In fact, Ishmael is referenced a dozen times Give or take He's never named In fact I got them all up here Every time Ishmael is referenced Son of Hagar the Egyptian This slave woman with her son for The son of the slave woman Verse 10 verse 11 on account of his son Verse 12 because of the boy Verse 13 on the son of the slave woman That's a, a misprint or typo Verse 14 along with the child Verse 15 the child Verse 16 the child Verse 17 the voice of the boy, the voice of the boy. Verse 18 lived up the boy Verse 19 gave the boy a drink 20 God was with the boy He's never named. He's just the kid.
1: Huh.
0: The kid. You think there's something going on here? It. What Sarah does is she diminishes the influence and significance of both Hagar and Ishmael. She dehumanizes him mm-hmm. and her. So now put this in the context of Genesis 1 and 2. Let us make them in our image. That is equality despite socioeconomics or position in society. And what Sarah just did is, that's the slave woman's boy. He's a nobody, he's a nothing. We can just get rid of him. The second you buy into that mentality, of, of being an oppressor of some sort is very easy to come by. And she, she does this here. And so this makes Ishmael a victim of Sarah's jealousy and bitterness. He's done nothing wrong in one sense. We'll get to to maybe there, there is some negativity here. But he's not really done anything so severe as to deserve this sort of treatment. Yet in Sarah's eyes, his very existence, his birth, is sufficient reason for his expulsion. This is bitterness and envy and hatred and anger and malice. And that word laughing there. ESV says the word laugh. Uh, Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian. Whom she had born to Abraham laughing. I'm willing to bet your translation. Unless you have the ESV like I have. Says something different. I'll just put them all up there. Which is. Boy they're all out of order. Um, so there they are. Um, I'm out of order in, in, in my notes. Um, yours is probably up here. These more popular ones. ESV Uh, Is my new American standard? My personal favorite. I like the net. Um, I even went back to Tyndale. This is the earliest, well, one of the earliest uh, English Bibles. Uh, It's Ma That is, I spelled that right. I I had to look at it 14 times. The Geneva Bible, very influential, uh, was later replaced by the King James. You can see the dates there. Uh, The King didn't like the Geneva Bible because I think every time the word King was there, it used the word tyrant. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't quote me on that, but it seemed like it's something like that. It's called the Geneva Bible because it was English uh, theologians and scholars who had to flee Bloody Mary and landed in Geneva where Calvin was. And John Knox ends up fleeing there from Scotland. And uh, John Knox bit of a firebrand. And so they produced the Geneva Bible. And so, yeah, they're not too fond of kings and queens. right? So they see them as tyrants. But, anyways, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I
1: was. Just... The verse kind of reads weird, yeah. i was thinking about it anyways. I had the Holman version, mm-hmm. and mine reads like this, but Sarah saw the son mocking Titan, the one Hagar the Egyptian had born to Abraham. And it, 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 it took some figuring yeah. to realize that it was Ishmael mocking yeah. Isaac. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it it sounds like they're trying to clear it up and in clearing it up it gets confusing. All right um, now in the Hebrew they front load the boy and then they drop at the end what he did. But what the Baptist Bible is doing is because we like our verbs early. We like subject verbs. So it sounds like they want the verb there. Ishmael box, you know, who, who the kid is. Um, yeah, like uh, just ask, do we know what Yes, yeah, so uh, when they leave, he's probably a teenager. Okay. And and the reason uh, I came across that is uh, uh, you see it there in verse 14. Uh, she gets a skin of water, it's a few gallons, um, and gave it to Hagar, put it on her shoulder, along with the child. Some, uh, some would interpret that as saying she's carrying the water and the boy. But he's probably a teenager. She ain't carrying him unless... He's built like Elijah, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, my wife could carry him. That's how small he is. Uh, but if this is a pubescent boy, uh, he ain't gonna be carried. Plus, he's a wild donkey of a man, so he's probably got chest hair and everything else. Um, but anyways, uh, so so the reason I, I want to point this out. By the way, look at New American Standard; uh, they offer greater clarity. So this is what uh, the Holman is not doing well at. It would be nice if our translation said Ishmael mocking Isaac. That just offer clarity. But you'll see New American Standard that's in italics. That's because the New American Standard is a very word-for-word word translation, which is why I like it. But when they have to insert a word, not in the Hebrew, they put it in italics. So if you if you go with the, the NASB, you'll see that all the time, and that's for readability because they're trying to be very wooden in their translation. Holman tries to mix word-for-word word and thought-for-thought. Um, NIV is more thoughtful, thought, but it's similar. Um, but you can see virtually all these are negative: scoffing, making fun of, mocking, um, mock yin ge yi um, whatever that is. But uh, very negative. But the term is laugh, and laugh can mean a good thing, right? Uh, to joke around or or whatnot. Laughing can be a negative thing: uh, mocking, scoffing, uh, and so. I, I want us to look at every use of the word laugh up to this point. The first time in chapter 17, who's laughing? Abraham. Remember, why wow. is he laughing? He's laughing because of uh, God says, hey, you're going to have a boy, right, through Sarah. And he starts laughing. Uh, Sarah does the same thing uh, uh, in, in the next chapter, Genesis 18. In Genesis 19, um, yeah, Genesis 19, remember the story of Solomon and Gomorrah. When Lot goes in, gets his son-in-law and says, guys, Pack your bags, we gotta go now. You remember, it says they thought Lot was a joke. He was jesting. Alright? So far as every use of this Hebrew word, sometimes it's it's positive means to laugh, right? But it may carry a negative connotation. Sometimes it's clearly a negative connotation. And that does make this word difficult to translate. But most scholars agree what Ishmael is doing is he is he is he is. Um, oh, it's also uh, Yeah, verse 6 we, we saw this, remember that they named Isaac Laughter, right? And that's brought up there but, uh, Which is a good laugh, right? Um, but most scholars agree that Ishmael Is probably picking on little Isaac right? That, that rivalry is already starting Remember, that's a theme in Genesis It's Cain and Abel It's Isaac and Ishmael It's Jacob and Esau uh, It's uh, Ham, Cham, and Japheth it's Joseph and his brothers. This is a common theme throughout Genesis, and for these two guys, it's starting right here. Um, and but what you also need to read this is Sarah sees Ishmael Isaacing Isaac, and that and that's just fascinating. You may think that's the dumbest thing you ever heard. Maybe it is, but but it's it's ironic. She doesn't like uh, and uses the same word for Isaac that Ishmael's Isaacing Isaac, right? It's it's just. Just the, a pun in the Bible, I guess, if, if you want to call it that. Uh, now, the fact that it's probably negative is, seems to be supported by Paul. I don't think I put I put Genesis up there. Oh, well, uh, or Galatians. Galatians says, but just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. This is the metaphor we'll hopefully get to next time. That he born to the flesh, that's, that's Ishmael, persecutes is Paul's word in the Greek. Uh, Isaac now, so, so there's mocking there Scoffing, verse 10 So she said to Abraham Cast out this slave woman with her son For the son of this slave woman Shall not be heir with my son Isaac Now if you've been coming on Wednesdays This stuff's going to stick out to you You see, you English readers This is bad English, isn't it? Why do we need who the boy is twice? Son of the slave woman that slave woman's son we don't need that detail. We already know he's the son of a slave woman. In Hebrew, repetition is emphasis. And what's the emphasis? He is but the son of a slave. He's a nobody. You see the battle of the seeds going on here too, right? Going all the way back to Genesis 3:15. Right? But here, the promised son it looks like they're on the bad side. They're <laughs> the villains, <laughs> you know. Um, but so you, you see that she she is just. Uh, She's using the language of inferiority. It's a fundamental rejection of the Imago uh, day. Uh, she uses the word cast there. Let's look at every use of the word cast so far in Genesis. Right? Can, you, can you think of the first time this word is used in Genesis? Yeah, Genesis 3, followed by Genesis 4 with, with Cain. It was God who cast out Adam and Eve, it was God who cast Abel farther east. In judgments. So maybe I'm reading into this, and you can correct me later that it's as if Sarah has taken upon herself the role uh, left exclusively to God. Adam and Eve ate of the fruit and thus were under judgment. Cain murdered his brother, thus was under judgment. What has Hagar and her son really done to deserve judgment? And notice we're going to see this story is that they are going to go from a garden. Can we use that language? Right, everything's provided for. They got, you know, it's a garden in the middle of a wilderness. It's Canaan, and what is the, what is the judgment? Cast them out of this garden into the wilderness, because they, they go to Beersheba, and you read verses fifteen to twenty-one. They they're, they're, they're destitute. There's no water, and and, and uh, Hagar ends up hiding Ishmael in a bush, and she goes off uh, a short distance so they can both die. She can't bear the thought of watching her son die. So so, so we see that Sarah is taking for herself an authority that she does not have. And and the Bible shows that by using the word all the way back to the judgment of Adam and Eve and then Cain. Because this word is not used anymore until it's Sarah who who orders Abraham to cast him out. And you notice there, um, cast out the slave woman, right? For the son shall not be heir with my son Isaac. Notice Isaac is named, Ishmael is not. Uh this error issue makes this a little more complicated. Yeah.
1: Well the the other thing that kind of occurred to me and it, it it might not be this way but it might be at the same time. It it seems like this is still happening during the the
0: the feast. I think I think it is.
1: Yeah so I think it's I'm right in the middle of it. Yeah, the
0: family over and
1: together,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think it is a birthday party. That's the way I see it in, in, in a 21st century American sense. It's a birthday party. You're celebrating three years been weaned. Good deal. Um, or you may even think of it as like in a Catholic context, like confirmation you, you've or a bar mitzvah. You've reached this level of your development. We're going to celebrate that that level. So let's say it's a birthday party, and you've got a little boy or girl, okay? and it's a celebratory thing. You're wanting – moms, you're wanting it to be all about your son or daughter, and your son or daughter has a friend they really like but at times mistreats them. Right? If, you, if you grew up in public school, you had one of these friends. I had one of these friends. I wanted to, to – in my very angry days – my brother had to sit on me, literally sit on me at church, upstairs at Pleasant Ridge, right? Just right at the top of stairs. Sit on me because he had a friend who I thought was a bit of a bully to him. Tripped me. So I already didn't like the kid. But then he tripped me. and I really don't like him. I was ready to throw down. I mean, I was going to throw down in church. Like someone was going to believe, one of us, you know? And again, it was a, it was a problem I had. My brother had to sit on me, right? We've all had friends like this that— we maybe show more affection than they, they give in return. So you see that that kid's going to show up and everything's going fine. And then all of a sudden, they're starting to bully your, your kid, right? Moms, how are you going to react? You ain't going to be pretty. So this, this occasion of celebration is now an occasion of conflict. And now notice it's not just the boys who are fighting. It's the moms who are fighting. And when the moms are fighting, guess who else is fighting? The dads are fighting. But in this case, there's one dad. So he's going to be pulled both ends. Right? He can't win here at all. Cannot win. Um, but that word heir really make, makes a, a mess of things. Her concern seems to be that when Abraham dies, I mean, he's, he's, he's over 100 years old now, um, that Ishmael, by ancient Near Eastern law and, and traditions, would receive... Uh, the, the estate right? He is the firstborn of Abraham Now Remember they got in this situation Because Ishmael would be the adopted son Of Sarah and the biological son of, of Abraham right? That was the original arrangement But now that Isaac has come There is one who is the biological heir Of Abraham and Sarah So this gets real messy And Sarah sees The second he dies this is going to create a lot of problems, and my boy is not going to share inheritance with the slave woman's boy. Yeah, Lee. So this? Is, oh, sorry, my question.
1: Uh, could this possibly? Be-
0: Yeah, similar to uh, the kings, particularly uh, Scottish kings, the the Scots did better when their king was a baby than when he was an adult running things, right? Uh, So, like King James um, was, uh, I think Mary Queen of Scots, when she she never saw him as a as like a a teenager or adult, right? She she never they were separated because she was Catholic and he was uh, James was raised as a uh, Protestant. Um, Scotland seemed to do better when. the lords were running things, and then when the king would show up. But there would be a, 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 you know, at this stage, he's king, and he's crowned king, but he's still king, right? There's there's that that stage. So once he's weaned, now these issues of, of being heir becomes a, a very big issue. Again, Abraham's 103 years old. And if Ishmael's a bully now, how do you think he's going to be when they're divvying up the estate? Look, I've ministered to a lot of families going through death. This that is when families get really, really ugly. It is awful. It is awful. Look, I'm gonna tell you, just just you would be better have nothing of mom and dad and still have your brother and sister. Right? Just it's okay if you don't get the house, if you don't get the wealth, if you don't get any of that. It's better if you have your brother and sister. Right off the phone recently someone sort of going through some of that sort of stuff. And my kids here lately have been getting a lot of lectures from me. So I got off the phone with, with with one family still dealing with this, something that had happened before. And, uh, and someone died, and they're trying to figure out who gets what and all this. So I told my son, it was uh, Saturday, we are going to watch the Eternals. Um, if something happens to me, you will not fight with your sister, or I will haunt you <laughs> like Samuel, okay? I will haunt you and destroy you. If something happens to your mother, I ain't scared of either one of you. I don't care how old I get. Right, I will throw down with both of you. Right, because it's just you would rather have each other than, than all this. So you can see this stuff is probably coming to, to the forefront here. Um, however, if if Hagar and Ishmael are given freedom, they lose the rights to the estates. So so maybe Sarah is playing on this. If we get rid of them, grant them freedom then I don't have to worry about this. They lose, lose their legal rights. So she can, she can make it sound, "Well, oh, we're giving you your freedom. Aren't I a nice person? Well, that's not her not motives at all. We must move quickly. Verse 11, uh, notice the language here. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. Notice there that we forget, don't we, that this is Abraham's son too. He loves Ishmael as much as he loves Isaac, and so no, he's 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 not just going to just get rid of him. So he's stuck between his son his love for son Ishmael and his love for his his wife. I mean, this is what sin does. In fact, that phrase "very displeasing" means very evil. And let's look at every use now. The word "evil" goes all the way back to Genesis three, of course, and the knowledge of good and evil. But but this this usage of evil uh, doesn't show up till chapter nineteen. And what's going on there? Solomon and Gomorrah. Right? This, is, this is every use of this precise word in Genesis prior to chapter 21. And is found only when uh, they want to abuse the angels, thinking in their men. So, so in the narrative, Abraham equates what happened to Lot and his guests, uh, what was threatened to happen to them, and what Sarah is asking him to do. Just get rid of your son. We don't need him anymore. I think mean, could you make that decision? I don't I don't think I don't think any of us could. So he wants to reject this the man of his wife because it is it is evil. And it's interesting here, Abraham does not want to listen to the voice of his wife. Remember, that's a phrase we've seen in Genesis. Going on back to Genesis 3. Because you listen to the voice of your wife, you know, you will work and sweat and all that. We see it in other places. Uh, remember when Sarah gave Hagar? Uh, he listened to the voice of his wife. Here, Abraham doesn't want to listen to the voice of his wife. That's wisdom. right? Not that you should never listen to the voice of your wife. Right? There's, a, there's a passage, um, I can't remember the stories, you have to forgive me, where it says you shouldn't have listened to the voice of your husband. right? The, the point is, this is foolishness. Don't listen to foolishness. Here, he doesn't want to do that. However, God enters the scene in verse 12... But God said to Abraham, "Do not be displeased um, because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named." Now, he's going to make promises about Ishmael, so don't panic yet. Right? If you just stop the story there, <laughs> that ain't good, right? God is going to make promises to to him. So we see it in verse thirteen: "I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also." Because he is your offspring Now notice there that Isaac um, will, will be the son of promise and This is where Muslims and, and, and Jews separate um, But God promises that from Ishmael Will come a mighty nation So, so yes this looks like an impossible situation and, and this is an awful situation to be in But that doesn't mean God can't work good out of it But it's going to take a lot of suffering On Hagar and Ishmael's parts Right, so so God isn't abandoning Abraham's son, um, and so we see here clearly that Isaac, through Isaac, will come the Messiah. He's the promised seed, your offspring named. Right? Is that what it says there in verse twelve? Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Right. That word name is very important there, um, and so we're looking not just for Isaac, we're looking for beyond Isaac, ultimately in 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 the Messiah. Um, And you'll notice that Ishmael will be a great nation. This was already prophesied at his birth. This is where it says that he will be a wild donkey of a man. Um, And so we know that uh, God is going to be with Ishmael in some sense. Uh, So in verse 14, Abraham agrees to expel Hagar and Ishmael. Uh, Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water. So just a few gallons, maybe two gallons, something like that, uh, along with the child and sent her away. She departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Um, now, he, she's given bread and water. Um, and notice what's missing. Camel, donkey, horse, a car. You know, something to actually navigate through the wilderness. is isn't given to her. I don't know if that's just not mentioned or if uh, and thus omitted or, or if, if they just weren't given to her. I, I don't know. Uh, but she is left carrying these provisions on her shoulders. So you have a woman asking, being asked to play the role of man and woman. She's a single mom now. And you see here the burden laid upon her is great. And it's the burden she shouldn't have to carry. If only, if only I could think of an application of that. If only. I, I, I can't think of anything to say about single motherhood um, and how it's a burden that shouldn't have to carry Right with the breakdown of the family, this this is this is what what, what you get. Um, and notice the word "wandered" uh, there in verse fourteen. It's the word commonly associated with being intoxicated, be stumbling around. Now, what it's not saying is she got drunk on water. Right? It's not saying that I hey, turned water the wine. No, that's, that's not what it's saying. What it's saying is she doesn't know what, what, what direction to go. She just kicked out. One day, she she, she she's the heiress of a millionaire to. She doesn't have a place to call home. Slave. Bottom of, of the societal realm. She's
1: free now.
0: Yeah, she's free, right? But is it, you know, real freedom, you know, that she she really has has nothing. So she's wandering around like one who would be intoxicated. Do I go this way? Or do I go that way? All right. um, she lands in Beersheba. Now, presumably, um, uh, and there's reason to, to think this later, uh, we'll see next time. Uh, presumably, she's headed back to, e- to to Egypt. Remember, when she fled previously, she went to Egypt, right? And God stopped her prior to going there, saying, "No, you, you need to go back." Right? Um, so presumably, she's wanting to go back to Egypt. She is an Egyptian woman. And remember, how did how did Abraham get the Egyptian slave? He traded his wife, Trading her off as his sister in Egypt, and Pharaoh found out. Right? Again, this is going to be on Jerry Springer. Right? You know, watch for her this week, and so. In order to appease the wrath of Yahweh as Pharaoh gives him male and female slaves One of whom becomes the mother of his firstborn son You thought your family life was weird right? And we knew then this is going to create problems It's going to create problems a Shortcuts make long delays Isn't that what Tolkien said in For the Rings? Um, and this is, this is the, the, the long delay This is a terrible situation Uh, But she is so lost, she's actually not very far from where she started. In fact, most agree. If you go back to chapter 20, verse 1, we won't look at it. The area described there includes Beersheba. She is in land owned by Abraham, essentially. Uh, I don't know if she's aware of that or not, but she hasn't made it very far. She's already destitute and in despair. Again, she's going to lay her son down. She's going to go off in the distance. She's going to lay down and wait for them both to die. I mean, this is a bad, bad situation. Um, And we are to see this as a hopeless situation. By the way, Beersheba may be associated with Abraham, but most scholars agree uh, Beersheba is what we now call Mecca. And Ishmael is the father of the Arab people who gather every year in the birthplace of the father of their religion, Muhammad. You remember, it was Muhammad who, like Ishmael, was cast out of Mecca only to return. Because he came with, he came back with a large army. But he returns back to Mecca. And now every faithful Muslim, one of the five pillars of the faith is at some point in your life, travel to Mecca. Right here. Where they find themselves by chance. And of course, from a Muslim's perspective, this is... Uh, this is the promised son of Abraham because he's the firstborn, and so they think Jews have corrupted the history by emphasizing Isaac. So, the so the Muslims believe in Isaac. They believe in Abraham. They believe in David. They believe in Jesus. They don't believe in that. That's the divine line. So Jesus is a Messiah. Jesus is a prophet. Um, so, real quick, um, what are we to, to do with this this passage? And what is what is the writer wanting us to see? Well, typically, what we do is we look back, and we've done that, right? We've seen language that takes us back all the way to the Garden of Eden, to Cain and Abel, and all those. That's typically what, what we find, is is the Bible shows us that history is it's uh, it's progressive, yes, but it's cyclical. We'll see that with with David, right? Uh, we've already talked about this that David saw that she was beautiful. The word there is good, and that she was naked. So Adam and Eve are naked. And so he took her, right? It's straight out of the Garden of Eden narrative. The Bible does that all the time. Different generation, same sins, same patterns, right? Remember that next time someone says that Generation Z or Millennials or whatever the next generation is, is going to fix all of our problems. We've heard that 10 million times. Right? They're just going to get worse. Anyways, um, in this case, let's go let's, – let's look forward. Can you think of a story – where slaves are cast out to wander in the wilderness. It's the Exodus story. Think about it, What you have here is Jews casting out Egyptian, Egyptian slaves out of Cana in order to protect their firstborn. The Exodus is the story of Egyptians Casting out Jewish slaves, who will travel to Canaan in order to protect the firstborn. So it's the inverse story. Isn't that incredible? Once you see, you'll never unsee. It. It's right there in the text. Right? And, and I'm not the first one to notice this. In fact, I'm stealing it from someone else who stole it from someone else. Uh, this has always been noticed. Now, wh- what's the application there? Abraham and Sarah does what Pharaoh will do later. Notice the evil that the people of God can and sometimes do commit. This is the struggle of the local church, isn't it? How is it that people who say they worship Jesus do some of the awful things in the world? And it's right here in the text. It equates what Abraham and Sarah did to Hagar and Ishmael to what Pharaoh will do to the promised seed of to see it. In fact, what, what we can do is, in this story, n- n- what we're looking at this week, the camera zooms in on Sarah and Abraham. The starting in verse 15, the camera now zooms in on Hagar and Ishmael. The destitute abandoned slaves. And God goes to them again. Much as he does the Jewish slaves. He speaks to Moses in the wilderness through a bush. And a bush will show up later with Ishmael. He goes and he provides water for them in in, in the desert. He he does all these things for them. So let me see if I can prove this thesis to you as briefly as we can. In in, in, uh, Genesis 21, 10, so verse 10 we looked at. Notice, uh, cast out this slave woman with her son. That word is used later in Exodus 12, um, that they were thrust out in the ESV. It's the same Hebrew word, same Hebrew phrase. It's not an accident that both the the Egyptian slaves and later the Jewish slaves are cast out. They're thrown out. The same thing with send away in uh, verse 14, right, Uh, that Abraham rose early and sent them away. Whenever you read uh, in Exodus, let my people go, what's, what's Moses really saying? Send my people away send them away. It's used over 40 times, that send away in Exodus. Over and over again, it's, it's the, 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 the Exodus story is pointed us back to what happened to Hagar. It's amazing, isn't it? By the way, what happens later in Genesis? A group of Ishmaelites are traveling through Canaan. They see a little boy in a pit and his brothers sell him as a slave to go to Egypt. And it's the Ishmaelites, the descendants of Ishmael, who bring him to Egypt. So history is this. It's this. You parents with teenagers and young adults have seen this, right? You want want to say things like, what you're doing is foolish because I made the same mistake. Now you don't know what you're talking about. In fact, I didn't tell you this. So my son is 13. He's going through this pattern of assuming that we're harder on him than on his sister. You did the same thing as a teenager, didn't you? We all did. Mom and dad are harder on me than I was on my siblings. You probably deserved it if it's true. Otherwise, for the most part, no. Never mind that one is different from the other and should be treated in respect to their differences. Right? Um, and that doesn't mean you treat one better than the other, but that they're different people, right? And, but it's perceived by young people as, well, I'm mistreated more because I'm the oldest, because I'm the youngest, because I'm rambunctious, whatever it might be. No, that's not the case. Every single one of us thought the same thing of our parents. But if you were to go to any teenager and say, look, get over it. I thought the same thing. Now I know better. Are they going to receive that? Well, no. Well... Yeah, because grandma and grandpa love us all equally. But you're treating me differently. (laughs) Okay, you just don't know know what you're talking about. Uh, Also notice this. Hagar and Ishmael are sent into the wilderness with few provisions, particularly with water. And they come into the wilderness thinking they will die. What does God do in the story? I know we didn't read it. God gives them water. He takes them to a spring. What is the story of of the Jews? They go into the wilderness, and they stop, and they say, Moses, why did you bring us out here to die? We are thirsty. And what does God do? He brings them water. He brings them a spring out of the rock. and, And in other places, he provides for them in the wilderness. God does the same thing for Hagar and Ishmael here. So this foreshadows Israel's pilgrimage of faith. The difference is that... Um, although they both flee, and in fleeing they, they experience suffering and they, they, they flee from, from slavery. However, she experiences exodus without liberation, revelation without salvation, wilderness without covenant, wanderings without land, promise without fulfillment, and unmerited exile without return. That's a quote from Huritt's uh, um, commentary. It's really helpful. Why? He is not the promised seed. A nation will come out of him, but God will have special uh, dispensation upon Isaac's uh, descendants because they are the promised seed. So Hagar will wander in the wilderness without a home. Israel will go to the promised land. God is leading them to a specific land for a specific purpose. That's the difference. Now, next time, you know, we'll be here next Wednesday, um, but uh, next time, we'll see the gospel connection in particular um, with this story that God comes down to be with the lowly and the downtrodden. If only I could think of an application with that. All right, anything else you guys have? It's a good story, isn't it? It's, it's amazing. It's almost like God wrote the Bible. So I was reading that commentary today, and he pointed is this just a passing conversation like,